This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Well, welcome back to your international every step along the way podcast. We've thrashed Iran 6-2. We've got the States next up. And I am joined by three familiar voices. First up, Andy, you are back with us. I am back tonight. And not only for tonight, for the rest of the things. I've had a few things to worry about, but should be sorted now. Fantastic. Jamie, you're with us as well. Yeah, all good as always. Dan, just looking forward to uh, cracking on with this England podcast, previewing the USA game. And... uh, yeah, just enjoying the World Cup in general. Well, and rounding off the Fab Four that we've got with us tonight, Lee, how are you, mate? I'm very well, thank you, Dan. Yeah, great to be back. I'm really enjoying the World Cup so far. We've already seen a couple of upsets and the cracking performance from the lads' first game. So, yeah, bring it on. Well, so, like I say, we did beat Iran. So, quick summary of the game. Like I said, we could have taken an early lead through a penalty. Uh, which controversially not given, especially with what happened later on in the match. Uh, but uh, we had to be patient, and after Maguire hit the bar from a corner, Jude Bellingham opened the scoring with a lovely glancing header. Saka and Sterling pretty much sealed the win with goals just before half-time, and then Saka got his second just after the hour mark, uh, before Iran uh, cracked one in off the underside of the bar to sort of get themselves on the score sheet. Host of England subs followed, and one of those, Rashford, natted within seconds of coming on, whilst another, Jack Grealish, rounded off a great team move to knock in number six for England. Um, the same controversial with the penalty, because Iran were then given their own deep, deep into injury time for something that seemed far less than what England were denied. Um, but yeah, that sort of ended the match, that penalty. And yeah, 6 2 win. I mean. <sighs> I should have started right at the beginning. I mean, Jamie, how did you feel when that team was given out? And we were playing a back four. I know, yeah. We're after the speculation that we had, and it was just like, I can understand why he played the back four. Um, and it's obviously, in hindsight, it's easier to say now. But we were always going to have more of the ball, whether we played three at the back, four, four at the back, whatever we did. We were always going to have more of the ball. Um, I was more shocked that Mason Mount got the nod. Um Everything else was sort of expected. But yeah, uh, when the team was put out, you, you give them the chance, don't you? And you just think, right, he, he obviously knows these players. Let's let's see what they do. 
And for England, who are notoriously slow starters at a tournament, it's got off to a cracking start. Yeah, I mean, Lee, would like to see, would you have, would you have, would you put in the back four? Or would you have maybe preferred a back five? No, I was really happy to see the lineup. Uh, to tell you the truth, um, I, I wanted us to be bold. I, I, I think that when you've got the better team, you should try and sort of impress that and and make it count. And we did a fantastic performance from a really confident side. That the faith in them that was shown by the manager, I think it really came through in the game. Yeah, I mean, I think for me personally, it was like, like I said, just to have that back four. It's sort of a statement that. You know what? We we aren't scared of other teams now. We are going to be um, sort of pushing ourselves onto and pressing ourselves onto the opposition rather than worrying about what they're doing. Because I think for me, Southgate's always picked a formation at the start of the tournament, and he doesn't sort of shift from it. I mean, Andy, what do you feel? I mean, from what I can remember, at the World Cup and the Euros, we played the same way all the way through, didn't we? It wasn't like he chopped and changed and changed for, for um, changed depending on the opposition. No, Once I mean, he picked you, his style, he stuck with it. We discussed it, haven't we, off off the pod? And you know, we've always sort of played either you know a three four three or a five three two, or however you want to see. But it's always had the wing backs, and you know, seeing Trippier and Shaw, I was like, oh, oh, oh is he okay? Like he's playing a back fourth once, and too fair. Seeing how we played against Iran, it's probably the way to go into this World Cup. We've got to be aggressive, and it's clearly worked. Scoring six in a game at a World Cup is something to be very proud about. Yeah, I, mean, I saw something. I can't remember where it was. Something on social media, and uh, one of the accounts he had the team. And he sort of quoted the team and said, "Literally in tears here. Southgate's finally worked it out." <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, of them. Teams. I mean, the Australians, the, the one sort of controversial or, or if you like, the one sort of debatable pick would probably be Mason Mount in midfield. I mean, Lee, would you would is he the player that you would have put in that midfield with the three? I mean, well, I think we said, didn't we? He's, he's a player Gareth trusts and was always likely to be in and around the side, or maybe shoehorned in if needed. <laughs> pick. Would he have been your pick? He was certainly the player I expected Southgate to pick. Um, looking back on the game, you could have put Foden there. He'd have probably had a good game too. But when you look at the team performance overall, the, the chemistry, the balance, the way we controlled it, we looked very, very comfortable with each other on the pitch. And I can see why he's gone with the lineup that he has. Now I've seen it play the way that it does. I'd be very surprised if he changed it for the next game as well. Yeah, I mean, Jamie, do you think that as we're going forward... And you get maybe we play obviously we're scheduled to probably possibly play France in the quarterfinals, you know, if the groups pan out as expected. If we get to that game, could you see him obviously with this formation getting his extra defence in by maybe bringing a Calvin Phillips into that side? Uh, he could bring a Calvin Phillips in. It depends then, like like uh, was mentioned earlier on by Andy, he's, he's set himself a stall now where he's like, we're going to go out, we're going to attack teams. And if you're going to do that all the way through the tournament, then you have to do that all the way through the tournament. Um, but I personally think that he will chop and change the formation depending on the opposition. Um, and I think Calvin Phillips to give a bit of defensive solidity in there, uh, maybe even a Jordan Henderson um, could, could slot in and do the job because they both run around all day. But either one of them, I expected ahead of Mason Mount. Um, 
make an argument for Foden, given the the opposition, because um, Foden would have done the same job um, that Mount did. Mount didn't play badly at all. So, I mean, I've got I've got no gripes now, but at the time I was like, how's how's he going? But yeah, it is what it is. But I mean, I mean, looking at that side as well. So as Harry Kane, he didn't have the. He didn't have the greatest of games in terms of buzzing around the penalty area himself, but he got himself two assists, and he does what we sort of know Harry Kane can do. Even when he's not a goal threat himself, he's always looking to bring other players in, isn't he? And obviously, he's, yeah, I think we, we sort of made out last week, didn't we? You know, Dele Alli made a career out of playing with Harry Kane. <laughs> and yeah. you know, Son's sort of linking up well with him now at Tottenham as well. And he's. Would you have any worries that he didn't get on the score sheet? Um, no, not for me. Um, Harry Kane, like you said, you know what you're going to get with him. He's he's a solid seven, eight out of ten player every every single game that he plays in, whether he scores or not. He's not scoring. He's setting people up to score. If he's not setting people up to score, he's scoring. So I, I don't think we can moan too much about Harry Kane not scoring. We've scored six goals and he's not scored them. Um, and it's like that. That's a good sign for me. Hmm. I mean, so. Obviously, we started. We was just saying. Obviously, we started the match. Uh, I mean, it took us thirty-five minutes to break them down. I think we should have had a penalty early doors. I mean, Lee, can you see any reason how that wasn't given? I mean, for me, people say Maguire was fouled. I think John Stones was fouled as well in the same move. They were both sort of rugby tackled to the floor. I was absolutely baffled um, watching it. It's clear as day a penalty. And if it was crucial come the end of the game, we'd be complaining about it right now. We'd be we'd be saying all sorts, wouldn't we? Let's be honest. As it happened, it was a procession, a very, very easy match, and that kind of thing can be forgotten about, I suppose. But yeah, it could have been a, a crucial one, especially when you look at the decision later in the game that was, you could easily say, it was a far lesser infringement. My personal opinion is there were both penalties. Um, and I could understand... Um, why they conceded the first penalty. He's, he's just flying through. They've got to do something about him. I've got no idea why we conceded that penalty, though. It was it was frustrating to watch. And Gareth Southgate's disappointment at the end of the match we conceded to. I kind of shared it, to be honest. I thought we could perhaps go on to score even more goals in that game. Like we say, they're both penalties. And I think Harry Maguire's shout was probably worse than Iran's shout. But with Harry Maguire's, if it was a rugby match, it would have been given as a penalty. And, you know... It's the way that VAR tends to be um, going at the moment. And, you know, we as, me and Dan as Stoke fans, we don't have to suffer VAR, but now we are. So, um, yeah, either way, they're both penalties. And it's just a shame that ours wasn't given. But like I've said with the scoreline, we scored six. We ain't got too much to worry about in that regard. Yeah, certainly. And let's see, I mean, was... Was there any worries, Lee? I mean, 35 minutes is a long time wait for that opening goal when, when all this was going. Did you approaching half-time? Was, was there any concerns thinking, is it going to happen today? Is it is it going to be one of them opening World Cup games where, you know, England just can't quite break through or you know, have to settle for a point? It had a strange one of those days sort of feelings to it, I think, when the uh, keeper nearly killed himself uh, with the collision and he, he's gone down. Now, you, you could see, everyone could see that this guy just needs taken off the pitch and he just needs some attention. We've seen what's happened in games in the past. Don't take any chances here. 
the England lads are having a knockabout whilst they're making their mind up still. They're actually asking him if, if he feels like he can play, but you, you, he's not in the right state of mind when he's had a knock like that. They've got the reserve keeper warming up. He thinks he's on. And then somehow the game ends up continuing with this goalkeeper in. And it all felt a bit surreal, like just the way that it had broke up. Look, we'd started, we'd warmed up well in the game. You know, good good touches early on. We looked pretty competent. We were just starting out them a bit. And then that just in the middle of it, you think, what's going to happen now? How's this game going to go? But sure enough, when they actually brought the, the reserve keeper on, you could see why they were so keen to keep the other one on. <laughs> so I, I understand, I guess. Uh, but no, he should never have been on the pitch, that keeper. And it just felt really, really strange that it was even a question or debate. Slightly surreal almost. Yeah, I mean, it's something that we've we've debated on this podcast before. I think when it comes to concussion, there should be an independent doctor there, somebody independent of both sides who makes the decision purely based on the player's health. And under no circumstances should any player ever be asked if they feel well enough to continue. The only time they should be asked if they feel well enough is if the doctor thinks in his eyes they're okay to continue. That's the only time they should be asked. If he's cleared them... This, that's the last question, are you okay to continue? If not, you know, if if he's fifty fifty or can't make his mind or he thinks, you know, looks like they've got concussion symptoms, why on earth would you ask the player? Because the player's only going to say one thing. Yeah, absolutely. He he even looked like he, he stumbled when he tried to I don't know if he was trying to pull his sock up or something before he took the goal kick. And I'm watching it almost sort of through my fingers, you know, thinking, I don't really want to watch this. Am I going to watch this guy just collapse here? Because he, he's not right. It didn't take long for him, for him to go off after that. Uh, fair dues. But just the fact that he was allowed to, well, it seemed like he was allowed to make a decision. There's no way he was forced back on. Absolutely no chance. But you seem to be allowed to have a say in it. You know, he, he might say he's all right to play. He might be saying he's Batman as well. <laughs> as daft <laughs> as it sounds, you know. You, you can't really take his word for it at this moment. No, I mean, Jamie, he's, like, say, you, what do you think about, like, say, the concussion protocols? There's, sure, there's got to be changes made, aren't there? What's it going to take to, before you know, football gets its act together with this? I mean, I feel like we've this discussion's been going on for, for a while now since they've had the concussion substitutes and stuff like that. But I just feel like you should take, if you've got any sort of concern about the player, just take them off. It shouldn't even shouldn't even be a question. Even if he can continue, if he's took a big blow to the head, just take him off. You don't you don't need an independent doctor. Just do the right thing and take the player off the pitch. Send them to hospital, get them scanned. That that's the simple thing to do. Dave took a big blow to the head. That's what I'd do. Be like, no, you're off. That's it. Don't don't care if you're Ronaldo, Messi. It doesn't matter who you are. You've taken a big blow to the head. We've got to be, we've got to be safe, and that's for me what needs to happen. You can, like you said about independent doctors, independent for both sides. Um, I just don't even think that's needed. Just, just get them off, get them, get them scanned. Do you, I, I, what I've sort of championed in the past is said that there should be temporary concussion subs because you see players, especially early on in games, like that, that that keeper there, he didn't want to go off. You know, you see his team didn't want him to go off because he was their number one goalkeeper. You can understand that, but they have to put the player's health first. What should be able to happen is the player gets removed from the field of play and a substitute can come on whilst they get assessed. So the game continues. 10, 15 yeah. minutes later, he can come back on if he's fine. And if he's been showing symptoms of concussion, then no, he doesn't come back on. 
Yeah. And then the substitution, and then the, the team have a, a, a decision to make. Do they want to keep the guy on who's on, or do they want to, you know, they then make a, a formal substitution then? Yeah. That, yeah, I don't, I don't think that's a, that's a bad idea. Um, and it's something that they could probably, I mean, if, if anyone of any power listens to this, then it's probably a better idea than the ones they're using currently. Um, because sometimes I just question what's going on. Um, especially like Lee said, it's, it can be uneasy to watch um, when you know, and if you're seeing it on the TV, that this player clearly can't continue. Why is the question even being asked? It's, it's, just begging belief. I, I do just fear that is it going to take a death before they actually do something about it? Because they're having near misses, they're having chances. You've seen another one today, haven't you, where the um, you know the, the, the uh, Saudi defender right at the end of the game against Argentina. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that that made me wince watching that. I thought, yeah, the, the knee to the face. And both incidents, what's happened is that the player on the receiving end both the players in the England game and then obviously the, the Saudi defender didn't see it coming, did they? It's just no. So there's been no opportunity to sort of brace yourself or protect themselves in any way. Yeah, it's just, um, I mean, we know that collisions and stuff like that are going to happen in football. It's how they're dealt with after. Um, yeah. And that that's the big talking point at the minute and it's still not talked about often enough. Um, and nothing's being done really. Like you can say concussion protocols in and all that, but it's not being adhered to, in my opinion. No, because the the clubs and the and the the teams and the managers, the players, they're all thinking about the results at the end of the day, aren't they? And yeah. what what are they going to get a win? And is this best for? Is does this decrease the chances of them winning by coming off? Like I said, I just think maybe a temporary sub would. Would allow that to you know it would reduce the risk of that because oh well he'll be back on in ten minutes if he's fine, and if yeah. he's not then the right thing to do is get him out of here. Mm. But but onto more positive things we did mention there thirty five minutes he took and it was a lovely goal when he came. I mean Jude Bellingham Andy he's been impressive now for what two three years four years even at, at Dortmund and then mm-hmm. Birmingham. And I think now he's breaking through for England and starting to show consistently now some really good performances. Yeah, he's he's brilliant. We've always said that him and Rice are those two midfielders who are going to be, you know, influential in that midfield. And to put it in comparison of his age, he's twenty days younger than me. So <laughs> it make it makes me feel, you know, a bit weird. I had the dream to be where Bellingham was at the similar sort of time. He's grown up watching the same players as me. But He's 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 world class, isn't he? He's brilliant, and I I feel like he just controlled that midfield for a nineteen year old to be able to do that at a world club on the big um, at a world cup on the biggest stage in world football. It's it it's crazy to think, and you know his goals his goals very good, and I think if he carries on like this, he's going to get a big money move in the summer. Well, yeah, I mean. I think his price tag's only going to go up and up and up at this rate, isn't it? And, I mean, I saw something the other day that said, I think he might have been on the, on the TV after the match, that said he should go to um, Bayern Munich. That's his natural progression from Dortmund, is to go to Bayern. A lot of players tend to do that, don't they? Yeah, they're just saying that obviously it's the progression of then he's he's expected to win things, which is a different pressure to being at Dortmund. 
where they're expected to compete. But yeah. then, but obviously, if they finish second, it's good enough. Whereas second in any competition is not really good enough for Bayern. So, I mean, do you think that's a good move for him, Lee, or would or would you be at this stage trying to get him in the Premier League? I bet Bayern Munich think it's a good move for him, but um, no, he'll go to the Premier League. I'm quite sure he'll he'll go just because of the the money that'll be on offer, uh, the chance to be back home. You hear him speak; he's still got his Brummie accent, and he so he, I'm sure he'd love to be back home uh, with people he knows, especially after winning the World Cup. It'd, it'd be a great feeling for him, I should imagine. So I, I fully expect him to go to the Premier League. Liverpool have been linked. I'm sure Jamie would absolutely love to have him there. No <laughs> doubt about it. Uh, he, I'll, take him, I'll, I'll take him for 86 million, mate. Yeah, 100%. Jamie, you, you finally get to know how we felt with Stephen and Zanzi floating around. <laughs> it is a wonderful feeling, honestly, it is. Um, <laughs> and I do, I'd rather him go to Liverpool, to be honest with you. I think City do seem to get the pick, don't they? So if, if he's going to go somewhere, I'll. Let him go there. Let the others have a chance. <laughs> it's a nice natural replacement for Jordan Anderson there, would you say, Jamie? Uh, yes, mate, yeah. I mean, he's got a lot to live up to to fill Jordan Anderson's boots, but I think he might just have it in his locker. Yeah, I think. I mean, do you think that obviously going out to play for Dortmund and getting away from sort of the English media and the spotlight has allowed him to develop under less scrutiny and less pressure because we've seen a lot of young English players coming through and they're sort of hyped up massively playing in like the Premier League and and then some you know quite often it, the pressure show you can see the pressure weighs them down as a young as a young player I mean you could possibly say that Marcus Rashford has maybe last couple of years has suffered with that I mean do you think that Bellingham, by going to Dortmund, do you think he that has helped him to flourish and progress his career at, at a better rate? I, I think he saw what they did with Jaden Sancho and the way he developed while he was at Dortmund. And then they've got they've got a good record Dortmund have of doing this with players of making them better so they get the bigger moves. They've done the same with Haaland. I mean, he was probably going to get his big move anyway. Uh, regardless of whether he went to Dortmund or not, he's always going to score goals. But they've got the track record with Sancho. They've got it with Haaland. They made Lewandowski a household name before he went to Bayern. Um, And you've just got a good track record of developing these younger players. And I think he saw what Sancho had achieved and where he ended up and thought, you know what, I want some of that. Uh, And he went over there, played a couple of years with Sancho and Haaland. He's got another year, well, six months left there now, and he'll get his move as well. Um, and he's probably got the pick of where he wants to go. Um, I don't think staying in Germany is the right thing to do. Uh, Premier League, probably. La Liga, I mean, no one would blame him if he got to play for Real Madrid. Um, then, yeah, fair play. Uh, not many people turn them down. So, yeah, he's, he's got the pick. Yeah, he has sort of... He's got the game for sort of Real Madrid. You can imagine him in that all-white kick, can't you? Yeah, that's why I didn't say Barcelona, because he's not for me, he's all action, Jude Bellingham. Like he can pass the right he can pass the ball around as good as anyone, but he's he gets up and down the pitch. He's a workhorse. And that's what Real Madrid that's what I always think about with Real Madrid. Every player they have works hard. Barcelona are a bit more flashy. Yeah, it's a little like it, it's um probably a bit more tippy tappy, too tippy tappy for him, isn't it, Barcelona? Yeah. 
yeah, he's uh, he's coming to his own in this England team now. And for me, he's the first name on the team sheet, regardless of Harry Kane. Bellingham yeah. is, is that important to England now. Yeah, I mean, I think we'll, we'll move on from him now because I'm sure that between now and the end of the tournament, we're going to be talking about him quite a lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so we'll save a bit in the locker for later. But I mean, uh, obviously, the, the next moving, next goals, I mean, you've got Bukari Saka. I mean, he scored the first of his two. He's justified and probably cemented his place in the side now with those two goals. I mean, what what did you think of him, uh, Liam? I mean, the first ones took a slight deflection. And then obviously he's got his second one just after the hour. I mean, really impressed for me. I thought he was, like I say, the pressure must have been on him and Sterling because of the, the options that were on the bench. And they both of them played very well, I thought. Well, I spoke the other day about his maturity. Um, he showed it again. The, the first goal, it, it's a cracking shot. Yeah, slight deflection, but still brilliant composure. The kind of stuff you see Paul Scholes do. The second one was all about just that maturity that I spoke of. He, he could have hit it a couple of times. He picked his moment, slots it home, cool as you like, like he's been doing it for years. Absolutely love watching him play. I totally see why why he gets gets the nod on that side. He's dangerous, he's creative, and he, he harasses players too. He, he's quite happy to chase down, do the hard work, win things that didn't even look there to be won sometimes. So he's another one that perhaps... With Belling getting a lot of attention, he's going to excel and, and perhaps not quite get the, the same plaudits as him and it'll probably do him a favour. He can just carry on playing as well as he is. Yeah, I mean, if England are going to be more on the front foot and you know, aggressive going forward, I wouldn't like to be the opposition really because you, you know, there's only so many players you can mark, isn't there? And like you say, if they, they've got Kane to look at, they've got Sterling, Saka... If those two go off, then you've got you know many many options who can come off the bench equally as bad, uh, equally as sort of dangerous, should I say? And then you say you've got people like Bellingham now trying to dictate from midfield, Mount looking to get forward. It's not an e- they're not an easy team to play against England, are they at all, Andy? We are, mate. We have so much you know talent, and to be fair, any of them, if there's an injury, can get into the side. Um, it's it's one of them, like, you look on paper, we have the most expensive squad at the World Cup, which I know there's this thing which they call, like, English tax and, you know, Premier League tax and things like that, but I think against Iran they sort of prove that maybe it's not just what's on paper. And, you know, coming up against the US, which we'll talk about in a bit, I feel like the US should be scared. I mean... I mean, Jamie, do you think that obviously we were saying there again, saying earlier on about the pushing forward and then being on the front foot? Do you think the past two tournaments that England now are more respected and opposite, and maybe the bigger nations who in previous World Cups and Euros would have seen England as well, if we get at them, we will beat them? Do you think that that mentality has maybe changed, and maybe it'll be the opposition who are sitting back? and trying to adapt to control England and deny England opportunities now. I think what it is, is that Gareth Southgate's brought in this uh, tournament football, is what I'd call it from him now. And he, he has a certain way he wants to do things all the way through a tournament. And I think people respect that more than thinking about the talent that England have got on the pitch. 
um, that Southgate's going to put an 11 out there that are going to give every country a game now. Um, They get up for it. They've got different formations in the locker. They can change it midway through a game. You've got your options off the bench that can change a game. If your pace isn't working with Saka and Sterling, you bring on Grealish and Foden, and you go a little bit more uh, with with a bit more trickery and try and win your free kicks. Use your bigger players at the back and to to hammer home your set pieces. England have just got multiple different ways of playing these days, and I think that's what it is. Uh, why teams won't want to play against England in the last two tournaments have proven it. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned that about obviously substitutes and the players in reserve and that. I mean, obviously we made quite a few made quite a few uh, substitutions, didn't we, with 20 minutes to go. And one of them was like an instant impact. I mean, Marcus Rashford was his, was his third, he's the third fastest goal by a sub in World Cup history. <laughs> <laughs> so his yeah. three touches was all he needed. So his last four, his, at that point, his last four touches were England were missed penalty in the Euro final, control, out your feet, back of the net in the World Cup finals. <laughs> Yeah, I mean you can't you can't really argue with it. Um, I mean he come on, he looked composed as well when he took the goal. Where as soon as the ball came through to him, as soon as he sold the defender, you knew that ball was in the net. Because um, he's just been in sort of a little bit of form for Man United as well. Um, and yeah, you just think if you get him in front of goal, he's, chances are he's going to put it away. He's very composed, is Marcus Rashford, and I think he's underrated when it comes to finishing. Um, and he's just proven again why he still gets in the England team. Yeah, I mean, Lee. If 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 anything was to happen to Kane, do you think Rashford would be the first choice to go to above, say, like a Callum Wilson? I don't know about first choice. I, I think Callum Wilson did really, really well when he came on. Um, you, you could see how much he wanted it. You could see the look on his face when he, he thought he was coming on, and then he had to go sit back down for a few minutes. Um, I don't think he let the team down, as as we saw with his opportunity. I, I did want to mention that that any other player with you know, one chance to score at the World Cup here, just smash it home, and he sees Grealish and lets him tap it in. He, it was a good gesture. It was like a, a proper team gesture. And I'm hoping the manager saw that. Um, so I, I think actually Wilson might get the nod um, if there was an injury to Kane. But if not, I, I've said before I trust Rashford to play in the middle. I do like him. I think, as Jamie says, sometimes he can be a bit underrated as a finisher. He's got good composure, particularly in, in big games. He's a great player to bring on because he, he does generally play it wide, but he's intelligent. You could play him on either flank and he'll do a job. Play him through the middle and he'll do a job. And and as you've just been saying, the options that we've got, the, the ways that we can attempt to break teams down and get through teams, that it's very difficult to prepare to play against us. It's a great position to be in. Yeah, I mean, you you mentioned there about Wilson, um, and obviously the the sixth goal and his assist. Have you, have, I'm going to ask you now: have, Did any of you see the build up or notice the build up to that goal? I did watch it because I'd, I'd had a bet on Callum Wilson. I just wanted him to have one shot on target. So oh. yeah, I was watching. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, have you idea? Do, do you have any idea how many passes were made in the build up to that goal? No, not a clue. But I was like, afterwards, when you see it all over social media and they were like, what a team goal it was. So I assume it was quite a few. There was 35 passes led to the Grealish goal, which is the more for any goal in World Cup finals history. 
Wow. <laughs> I say this every week, Dan, but I want to know where you find these stats because they're amazing. Uh, that, that one came from uh, Radio 5 Live. <laughs> it, it was, uh, yeah, Mark Chapman said it after the game had finished. <laughs> it was so, just like, like Lee said, though, for Callum Wilson to get himself in that position in a World Cup and pass the ball is is insane because you're a striker you you feed off goals that's where your confidence comes from and he just tees up jack Grealish for a sixth goal when no one would have moaned if he'd have shot and missed so no as lee said it's very good to see that they're playing like that as a team yeah definitely i think that mentality as well and like playing for one another and what's best for the team that is only going to be a positive especially when you get games later on in the tournament where a decision like that could be crucial in the fact that, you know, nobody's seeking the glory. The team is all that matters. Um, what we'll do now, we shall wrap up, Iran. Uh, so are we this week we've created a Twitter handle for us. So if anyone wants to follow us, it's at every step three, that's the number three, Lions. That'd be the number three because Twitter said I couldn't have a they didn't have enough characters. <laughs> um, so, yes, yeah, so if anyone wants to follow us on Twitter, that's where you will find us. Uh, and obviously, there is also uh, on there, we posted a link to a face the Facebook group for every step along the way. And on there, there was a man of the match poll for this game, and it had 208 votes. Who quickly do you three think got man of the match? Jude Bellingham. Jude Bellingham. Yeah, surely. <laughs> 60% of the vote, Jude Bellingham. <laughs> I'd have put Saka in second, I would have. He got 17% of the vote and was in second place. And you know, have a guess. <laughs> I've not read it? this, bearing in mind. I've not read this beforehand. <laughs> Harry um, Maguire. So, Harry Maguire third, who do you think, Lee? Um, Trippier. You um, know what, Trippier's a shout. Trippier. Third place was Kieran Trippier, 12% of the vote. Nice. I thought they were going to give it Maguire just out of ironic, basically. Um, it, I don't know what to it is fair, Maguire. He He's better for England yeah, than his club. He did not have a bad game at all, Harry Maguire. Uh, it was a shame that he was ill, actually, because he was playing quite well. Yeah, I had somebody tell me earlier on that it was very convenient he went off ill. I was like, he was ill. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Man wasn't very well. What do you want him to do? The game was won. Yeah. He probably needed to nip to the loo. <laughs> but he he actually the... said, he actually said though, didn't he, that the game was won and he just needed to not be on the pitch. Which yeah. is fair enough. He could have just done an Eric Dyer if he needed to go to the toilet, run off and come back on. <laughs> we, we don't need another Gary Lineker situation, do we? <laughs> <laughs> um... That's what they do. They go, Gareth, I'm going to do a Lineker. Sub. <laughs> right, so let's move into the news and then we'll get on to the USA game. So, news. England have revealed they are not part of a joint UK and Ireland bid to host Euro 2020... Euro 2020... Euro 2028. Yes, it's England, Scotland, Wales, Northern Ireland, Ireland. They've got to put, I think it's 14 stadiums. They've got to put a submit in by April of next year. I mean, can you see us getting of the Euros back so soon after you know, the uh, what happened with the final on that last year, Lee? 
Well, what I've learned this week is anything can happen. And we've been told the World Cup can take place in North Korea. So why not? <laughs> Let's do it. It wouldn't surprise me if these international competitions, I was talking to a friend the other day um, regarding the World Cup and how they wanted to make it every two years. I, I don't think it'll be long before they're doing that at this rate. And that will sort of cheapen it a little for me. So anything's possible like that. And it wouldn't surprise me at all. No. No, I mean, Jamie, do you, would you be happy for for another tournament here? I mean, I can't see any problem. There's not going to be any issues there, is there, mate? Are you happy to go and <laughs> crack on? Do you think the bank balance would cope with the, the Euros all summer? A, Euro, a Euros run? Um, I mean, yeah. I, I think we're one of the only countries out there with the infrastructure who could host a tournament tomorrow anyway. Um, just in the UK. We could literally, they could... UEFA could say, right, tournament tomorrow, you're hosting it, and we could do it. Um, and I don't think there's many out there that can, um, which I think just gives us a great chance. And it'd just be nice to see a whole Euro tournament take place in this country because Euro 2020, as it was in 2021, was taking place over 16 countries, was it? Uh, and those games played. 12 yeah. or something like that. Was it, was it 12? And yeah, it was, uh, it was taking place everywhere. And I don't think... I don't like that personally. If you if you've got a joint bid, fair enough, uh, then that that's that's different. But I think it should all take place in one place, and it makes it easier for all the fans to get to all the games because they're staying in one place. Um, but yeah, I, I think we've got a good chance of hosting it. Yeah, yeah I saw on the thing of joint bids. I saw one for the World Cup the other day, and it was like Morocco, Uruguay, and Venezuela or something. I was like. What? <laughs> I mean, you can pair up with anyone these days, apparently. So we we'll we'll just host one with Australia because they're in <laughs> Europe now. So <laughs> it's just become like WWE factions. And different <laughs> <laughs> um, Do you want to hear another random bid which has come in for the World Cup in 2030? One, one. South Korea in association with either North Korea, Japan, or China, or all three. What? <laughs> you heard me right, North Korea. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. You think Does that mean no it... beer at this? You World Cup. Wait till that one. Do you think that means that if it's in North Korea, that North Korea have won it, and that's what they'll tell everyone? <laughs> <laughs> now, now this is a tricky situation here because if North, if word gets out in North Korea that they are bidding to host the World Cup, then they are going to put out that they've won the rights to host the World Cup. So are they then going to hope that everyone forgets about that when the tournament comes round if they don't get it? <laughs> or are they, going to, are they going to have to buzz in a load of like footballs and go, yeah, that, you do, that's Harry Kane, mate. What are you on about? <laughs> Doesn't look like Harry Kane. That's Harry Kane. That's an English. Like a cheap blonde wig on him. I've, I've told you that is Harry Kane. <laughs> yes, that is Raheem Sterling. If I say that is Bukayo Saka, it's Bukayo Saka. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, I, I, like I say, I, I hope they get it. I think we are long overdue like an actual full tournament in this country. The fact that there's been one uh, by this time, it'll be one in 62 years by the time that tournament comes round. You think of the amount that like France and Germany have had in that time. Yeah, I think... Uh, we are long overdue another tournament. Yeah. And like the fact that it's bringing in the rest of Britain as well is, is nice as well. 
yeah. that means there's five qualified teams as well. I, I'm not, I don't think they do that though. But mind you, I suppose with the amount of teams in the Euros now, it's not that big no. a deal. <laughs> no, I was going to say they're going to rope it to 48 soon anyway, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> they will literally just have no qualifying soon. It'll just be like, everybody's in. <laughs> I want to see a San Marino versus Kazakhstan qualifying game. Yeah, same. Mate, if that was on my telly, in, in a World Cup game, I'd watch it. 100%. Like, I, I found myself, like, the other day when it kicked off watching Qatar and Ecuador. Not on my life would I ever watch that game, apart <laughs> from yeah. it being at a World Cup. Maybe Qatar will team up with the Euros. <laughs> Get them in there, like Israel know. joined us in Eurovision. Yeah, yeah. We've, got, we've got Israel, we've got Turkey. Australia. <laughs> yeah, can't forget Australia. Well, they're in the Eurovision, aren't they? But I meant like yeah. actually in the European like, football. In uh, terms of like the qualifying. Bit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'd say, uh, don't even ask me how that works because Australia are somewhere weird for that as well, aren't they? They're in like the uh, South America. Now. Yeah, so the Australia, do you know why they moved? Because they wanted more competitive games. Yeah, they said basically that they, there was no competition in the qualifying. So when they got to a tournament, they just got beat easily because there was like, <laughs> they're not used Didn't to actually competitive football. today? Yeah, I was going to say that. Yeah, I think I think there's a little bit of difference. They're out there and playing France and playing, does he... Hey, let's just say that what a goal that was, that the opening goal in that game. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was a really, really good goal. What uh, Harry Suter. You mean that lovely forty five yard diagonal ball from Harry Suter as we set it up? <laughs> yeah, I didn't see the rest of it. No, yeah. This is gonna be this is gonna be a We haven't seen that for a year, have we, Dan? <laughs> You're going to be dying out on that for the rest of the World Cup, aren't you? He's the one player we've got there. We've got to mention it. He does something good. <laughs> <laughs> um, on some not-so-good news, though, um, England women's star Beth Mead has suffered a ruptured ACL. Um, so she's got to undergo surgery and now faces a race against time to be fit for next summer's World Cup. Not good yeah. news, Lee. Those are the worst kind of injuries. And it, it takes a shade off any player too. The worst thing about them is when they come back, you, you feel that they're never going to be the same player again. And to reach the level that, that they might have to reach to get back into the squad, for some players, it's too big a challenge. So we'll have to just wait and see how bad it is and how good the recovery is, really. Yeah, I mean, Jamie, she, she was a bit of a star, wasn't she, this last summer just gone as the England team obviously like triumphed in the Euros. Uh, she'd be a big miss for England if she's not back for the summer. Yeah, it's uh, it's a tricky one. Like you said, she was probably the best player at the tournament. Um, I think she did. She win the best player in the tournament, top scorer of the lot. I think she did, didn't she? And then she got um, she got runner up, didn't she, in the women's Ballon d'Or? Yeah. And so, did you did you see what they put out when they took a picture of her and the winner together? And the, the oh, newspaper the, the newspaper put in. I can't remember what the lady's name who was it who won it. But they is, it her, the Dutch, is it the Dutch girl? The, yeah, the, the, the caption said her name and a friend pose at the awards ceremony. Like, <laughs> <laughs> they both play for the same club team, don't they? Yeah, um, like me oh and Lauren Beth Mead. But yeah. Come um, second and they thought she was just a mate. <laughs> just a mate. Just just chilling. But no, what what is it until the Women's World Cup? Seven months? Yeah. June. ACLs at best, you're looking nine months, aren't you? Surely. 
yeah, she's not going to be. There's not going to be any prep time for her if she's like. No. No, I, I you think. You can't rush an ACL, can you? No, in that situation, I'd just rule her out now and just prepare for the tournament without her and just yeah. I I don't think you should rush it back because it could be detrimental to the rest of her career because she's still quite young. Yeah, I th- it, I think for here as well. I think if you say to here, you are not going to be back for the World Cup. But tell her now, like you yeah. say, she's not going to rush and push herself either, is she? She's no. going to understand that she has got you know she has got time and she hasn't got to try and force the issue and maybe do yeah. further damage or like I say yeah. risk a future. Yeah, f- football's a short career when you think about it. Um, and the, the women's game, obviously, they're not. it's not quite as lucrative as the men's. Um, so you, you have to be careful when you're playing women's professional football because not as well paid. So she's got to think about the long term rather than, I'm going to miss a World Cup unless I do this or do that. Um, there's, there's, she's got more World Cups in her. She doesn't have to play in this one. Yeah, exactly. So, yes, get well soon, Beth. Um, news from the World Cup. I mean, we've had one of the biggest shocks of all time today, haven't we? I mean, Saudi Arabia managed to beat in Argentina. Just wow! <laughs> <laughs> they waited until they went one nil down as well, which was even better. Like they come Mar- mate, put a bet on at half time as well for Saudi Arabia to win. He was like, "Oh, I've got a fiver, six hundred twenty-five quid." He got paid out. What? It was one hundred twenty-five to one. What an absolute madness! Why? Why do people do that? Like, I wish it was he had me. A, he had a few drinks before it. To be fair, <laughs> he had a few drinks. Kicked I was going to say <laughs> exactly how many did he have? <laughs> Six or seven. Yeah, I'm going to have the formula. You know what I mean? <laughs> Man, man's got a problem. <laughs> He's not got a gambling problem though, mate. He's, no. He can afford yeah. more beer now. <laughs> <laughs> On a school day. <laughs> oh, he still goes to school. Not quite that young, me. Dan. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it shocked me. I was, as soon as he went 2 1, I thought, okay, this will just end 3 2, 4 2, 5 2, then. Simple. But nah. Argentina never looked like getting back in it once they went. I mean, first off, they could have been 4 5 0 if it wasn't for that strong uh, Saudi defensive line. Catching them offside every five minutes. Was uh, it was it a strong line or was it just laziness on the Saudis' part? <laughs> <laughs> well, have you seen that one one of the goals, one of the Martinez's disallowed goals? Apparently, they didn't take into account the left back because when they looked at the screen, he was off the screen because he was right down the bottom end of the pitch. <laughs> but it happened actually, in the Premier League as well, didn't it? That where yeah. they didn't, so they couldn't get the lines to stretch all the way across. So he just factored him like he wasn't there. And it's just like, okay. It's made even worse but by the fact that they, they looked at it for well, they must have looked at it for so long because it was quite a while after, wasn't it, when they when they called it off? Like, was that the goal, the one where it took perhaps about two minutes until they decided? Yeah, yeah the, the really the close one because he's the other one. He was quite obvious offside. Once he, he, he did the dummy finish, it was it was a nice goal, wasn't it? Yeah. One? But yeah, apparently the, he was he was just offside with the defenders around him. But the left back down the far side, he was actually just literally playing in dead level. Well, I'll tell you something. If that's if that's your complaint after playing Saudi Arabia, that that's all you've got to cling to. You're not in a good place, are you? <laughs> no. I mean, to, to me, that's the other result in that group is probably the worst one Argentina could have had because I think that draw now. 
I'd still fancy both those sides to go and beat Saudi Arabia. And that puts massive pressure on Argentina then to be basically, they're in, basically Argentina are in knockout football now from, from this game onwards, aren't they? They've got to win every game. I think uh, Saudi Arabia might be a bit of fun to watch now, to be oh, honest. Yes. I, have, I have a lot more confidence than they did at the start. You've got to admire what they did against got Argentina. Poland next to weren't really too interesting. Yeah, they, they seem to have a bit about them. The, the fans are obviously right behind them. If you're watching that game today, it was the way that they executed the game plan so well that they stuck to it. And once they were in front, you, you felt that if anything, they'd go up the other end and nick another one. They just they just turned it on. Argentina were lost. And, and what surprised me about the Saudi team was the physicality of them. I thought they were going to get bullied today and nothing of the sort. Absolutely. So... They were quite fun to watch, the Saudis. I, I enjoyed them. And I think they could get a result against Poland and, and maybe even Mexico. They may have too much energy for, for either of them. Well, I mean, we called the Mexican being sort of quite an old side, didn't we? And sort of a lot of players coming towards the end of their careers. If you think, yeah, a couple of games in too. Yeah, they, they've already played a game or two. Yeah, and I think that game against I mean, Mexico-Argentina in the next round of games... With especially obviously Argentina defeating Mexico, know that if they win, they basically knock Argentina out and get themselves through. That could be a quite a tasty match to watch as well. Neither neither of them side are uh, you know scared of sticking the boot in when when need be, are they? Oh, back cards, back cards for sure. Well, <laughs> you you say that, but today when Argentina needed a bit of grit and to get stuck in, did not get one single card. Yeah, Saudi Arabia got six and they won the game. Oh. I actually saw Graham Souness' disappointment after the match that they hadn't got stuck in like the, the old Argentina teams that kicked lumps out of you. Yeah. And you can see it in his face. He was gutted. You know, he, he wanted to see a bit of that. But yeah, yeah there was nothing nothing of the sort. There was no fight. It was like they had the stuffing knocked out of them with that goal. Yeah. Did he find the time to blame Paul Pogba? Or... <laughs> did you? Of course, it, yes, of course. Did you see at half time, Lee, where him and Roy Keane were going at it? No, I didn't see any of the half time uh, bit. To be honest with you, yeah. So Keane's basically keeps uh, Keane was saying that's not a penalty. How is that a penalty? The game's gone. It's not a penalty. And, and Graves Unes was it. You might not think it, that's your opinion, but the fact is, these are the... And every time Game Series tries to Roy Keane has come over, not a penalty! <laughs> and he got about four or five times as soon as basically, all soon as was trying to say, well, the, the directive the refs have been given, that's a penalty. The law states it's a penalty, and the, that's your opinion is that it's not. But you have to go with what the laws are. The refs got to go by the laws. But like I say, he couldn't get... Because every time he started talking, Keane just kept repeating, not a penalty. Nope. No, and at the end he said, "If you shut up and listen, <laughs> you oh, might wow. learn something, Roy." <laughs> now, are you going to let anyone else speak, or are you just going to keep talking? <laughs> it's like the, the two the two hardest kids at school swearing <laughs> yeah. off. So, oh no, it's going to go off. This is. <laughs> I didn't mess with Zoomish, you know, seriously. <laughs> and, was, and he went off for ages, and then the, the, whoever was presented just went to Joe Cole. Do you think it was a penalty? Like, no, move on. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm not getting involved. No, no penalty for me. But yeah, no one talks about it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I mean, I think we've already touched on this as well. But the, what what's happening with goalkeepers taking defenders out? What they're getting a bit they're getting a bit pumped up. Some of these keepers aren't they? <laughs> They've got the Iranian keepers face planted his own defender. The Saudi keepers going with a sort of an MMA style knee <laughs> to the face of his his defender. What what's next, Andy? What, what what's coming up this week? <laughs> Maybe the stuff you talked about with concussion may actually come into fruition. <laughs> uh, do you think it's overexcitement, Jamie? Do you think is it just these? Is is this the beauty of the World Cup? Do you think this is what uh, this is what the World Cup's all about? <laughs> keepers are known for being eccentric, though, aren't they? I mean, that's why you have to be mental to be a goalkeeper. Uh, you, you're just not wired right, but some of the some of the stuff we're seeing is ridiculous. Um, it's like you said, the guy the guy got full on flattened in the Saudi Arabia game, and it was it just he didn't was, move for a bit, did he? No, I was like, oh no. god! Was like, remember when like Tyson Fury got knocked down by Deontay Wilder? It was that, like that was what it was. And then I was just like, okay, this is not good. And then yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. Keepers are a strange breed. Have you noticed though as well that the TV, the production company, whoever's in control of it, they give us a replay from every single angle, don't they? <laughs> they like that sort of thing. They really do. I mean, like the one in the in the England game. Um, I must have seen about seven different have, angles yeah. of that. Spectacular. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's one of them though. There's nothing else to really cover, is there? Whilst it's being treated, usually you get the wide, the wide angle, don't you? The stadium, the stadium shot from the back of the stand. Usually, is what they give you. Yeah, news that, of the world, that, five stars, cinematic experience of a lifetime. That, that's when you know shit's going down when you get that view. You start thinking maybe it might not be okay. Yeah, something's going wrong here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I say, look. Thankfully, they both seem to be all right, and everyone involved in them sort of incidents. Yeah. Uh, what surprised me though as well was the ref never stopped it in the Saudi game, did he? He obviously no. play acting. He's like, no, get up, get up. Even the commentator thought it. He's like, oh, look, the, the try any old trick. <laughs> and then they, the they go back oh, and watch the replay. They're like, oh, oh, chestnut. Got him getting KO before he even touched the floor. They'll bloody do anything. These Saudi Arabians. <laughs> <laughs> a chance, you know. <laughs> Keepers literally in tears, literally in tears. Yeah. Oh, anything. They'll try anything. Cry. You know, everybody. Get on, get on, quick. Come and help him. Crying, thinking, oh my God, I'll just kill my teammates. No. I, I did think to myself, I thought, well, this will put a dampener on things, won't it? <laughs> Saudi Arabia. Put him for diving. Right. Let's get into America. You know what, Dan? I'm going to say one final thing. Go on. It's a little bit of news. Who remembers back to when the Africa Cup of Nations was on and the referee blew the whistle five minutes before full time? (laughs) He's going to be refereeing the Canada-Belgium game tomorrow. Oh, wonderful. So so FIFA still thinks he's a good ref, Bill. Yeah. (laughs) What's what's even worse is he'll still manage to cut under a game that has 15 minutes stoppage time added to it. (laughs) (laughs) What? 15 minutes now, nah, seven minutes have had enough of this. I mean, <laughs> yeah. the, the, the injury time's been massive, hasn't it, in these games? But, I mean, there's been a couple of injuries, and I think they're doing it to stop the play-acting and the time-wasting. Like, yeah. you know, the, the watchman stops. There's no point time-wasting because you're not... You know, he's only going to be played on at the end. 
Well, yeah, yeah, that's what they've said now, isn't it? So that is the, the directive that they've said, is that any time the ball goes out of play, any time there's a goal, any time there's VAR, clock stops, gets added on at the end, so you're getting 90 minutes of football. I like it. I like yeah, it. It'll, it'll cut out it's a bit all nitpicky, the, but... Yeah, it'll cut out all the uh, playing about. I mean, if if they bring it in full time, Sky Sky might have to think about the Super Sunday schedule where they have three games back to back. Yeah. <laughs> right. extra... and how often are they actually Super Sundays as well? I look at them sometimes and say, oh. <laughs> <laughs> "This is just a standard Sunday." Yeah, this is yeah. This is there's nothing super about yeah. uh, West Ham against Wolves. There's just nothing super about it. <laughs> Join us for Standard Sunday. That's what they should call it. Yeah. Sky, if you're listening, there you go. Yeah, if you use that idea now, we won't pay in. Aston Villa versus Fulham <laughs> on Standard Sunday. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Oh, bloody hell. Right, let's get into the USA game. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. So, I'm going to throw some stats at you now. So, head-to-head record with America. We've played them 11 times, 8 wins, 1 draw, 2 defeats. Scored 41 goals and conceded 7. Pretty good, yeah? Pretty impressive? Yeah, and when, well. you remember, when you remember one of them was Rob Green's Howler. Oh, don't, don't, no, we're not, we're not talking about that. <laughs> so, our record against America in the World Cup played two, won zero, drew one, lost one, scored one, conceded two. Yay. Including our very first game at the World Cup finals in 1950 when we lost 1 0. <laughs> where apparently reports are when, when the newspaper reporters filed their, like, their match reports back over to England and saying we'd lost 1-0, they just presumed, because we were such heavy favourites, they presumed that we it must be a typo error and actually put in the paper that we won 10-1. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? <laughs> I love that. They thought, nah, that can't be tried. He's obviously missed the one off the bloody fool. <laughs> um, and then obviously wow. in 2010, we drew 1-1, which was again the opening game of that World Cup. Anyone remember who scored that goal for England that day? Steven Gerrard. I can't remember. Didn't we get an advert? Steve Gerrard, Gerrard. Correct, Jamie. We got an advert, didn't we, during that game? And then next thing you know, we come back to us celebrating the goal? Yes. That that was... 
Yeah, as uh, it was on ITV with the adverts in between. Yeah, games. it was. Yeah, no, it was. Absolutely. I do remember it happening and just it coming back and Gerard was running off celebrating. And we were all like, um, what? Yeah. Because um, I, I remember not something similar, but in Brazil 2014 when we played Italy and everyone thought Raheem Sterling had scored even ITV and he had the side netting. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Again, they even changed was... the score to 1 0. <laughs> it's like, hold on, how, how have Italy got the ball here? <laughs> like, what's going on? Why is it a goal kick? <laughs> um, our last game versus America was in 2018. We won 3-0. Trent Alexander-Arnold and Callum Wilson were both in this squad, scored in that game. Wilson's only international goal. So maybe maybe we should game up front <laughs> in this match. Um, double, double his tally. It depends on Kane, doesn't it? Because there's a bit of talk about him maybe carrying an injury. I know Southgate said it's not that bad, but that's what he is Apparently going to say. he's having a scan in two days. Yeah. Well, Dest, McKenzie and Keane have all one yellow away from a ban after getting booked against yeah, Wales. Two yellows, isn't it? Yeah, so they've all got a yellow against Wales, which means if they get booked against England, they'll miss the game with Iran. So that might be something to watch out for in terms of maybe players holding back. Obviously, no England player got booked against Iran, which is all good. We didn't have to make a tackle, did we? And to round off my little stats section here, I've got a little mini quiz for you. Three USA players that were born in England. So three of the current USA squad at this World Cup were born in England. Any ideas which three? I think DeAndre Yedlin is definitely one of them because I swear when he moved, when he first moved over here, there was something written about the fact he was born here. Well, he wasn't on the list. Oh, okay. So I was wrong. Um, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying you're wrong after the other day. <laughs> on, on that note, by the way, that, that source has been completely discredited because when I rechecked, actually went more in depth and had a look. About this is about the England managers, by the way, people. If you didn't listen to the last podcast when the one of the quiz questions was thrown out, <laughs> Walter Winterbottom took charge at four World Cups and he was nowhere on their list either. So, oh. <laughs> fair enough. No, I I'll be honest, never heard of him. So, so yeah, he was um, manager before Ramsey. Um, I've got, I've got a look at the squad list now because I don't know half of the American team. So, with Tyler Adams. Nope, it wasn't. A, this was. A, I saw it was something I saw the other day. It said these players were born outside of the country they're going to represent at the World Cup. And right. the USA team had four, four or five, and three of them were English, or born right. in so, England. Josh Sargent. No. Anthony Robinson. Yes. So, Anthony Robinson was born in Milton Keynes. Cameron Carter Vickers. He was born in Southend. Because he played for Spurs. I'm seeing these names now, and I think I know who the other one is as well. Um, Giovanni Reyna. Yeah, because he, he was born in Sunderland, because obviously his dad was playing there at the time. Yeah. yeah of course he was, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, we could have I remember that vaguely from Football Manager, like when, he, when they first put him on the game. I remember that you could get him to play for England. Why didn't we? 
he could have been he could have been added into the pool of attacking young young promising <laughs> attacking players we've got. And Mason Mount. And Mason Mount and Connor Gallagher. <laughs> And anyone else associated with Chelsea that's near the squad, <laughs> yeah, yeah. move them off to apart from, apart from Sterling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I keep forgetting he's gone there. I think that just shows how much, <laughs> so, how, how very little he's done since he got there. I, th- I think he's forgot he's gone there as well. To be honest, <laughs> he hasn't turned up yet. For him. <laughs> um, Hopefully, once football comes home, everything will be fine. <laughs> um, so, with the game itself. I think we're going to stick with four three three. Myself, I can't see any need to change Jamie at all. Uh, no, based on the performance um, of USA as well, I think it's more because of how they played against Wales um, that we'll stick with what we went with. Um, because I don't think they give us anything to worry about. Um, they've got a couple of quick players like Pulisic is quite quick. Timothy Way is quite quick. Um, but I just think we've got enough about us that we can play for at the back and they won't beat us in midfield. I think he's at, it's his end product with Pulisic, isn't it, uh, Lee? I mean, for Chelsea, he's not yet really nailed down a place in their side. I think he's sort of shows glimpses, but when it comes to actually the end, like, say, producing, you know, chances after chance after chance, he's not quite there yet. Yep, he, he's received um, a little bit of criticism for it too, from not a lot, but you know, it, it has been highlighted by various sections of the media at times. He's going to love playing against us. Uh, absolutely, he's going to really fancy <laughs> it. He's, he's going to want to do it, isn't he? He's, he's, he's going to be up against guys he's seen before. He'll fancy his chances. He'll, he'll know that he'll be noticed if he does score. So he's a danger man on the night for sure. Um, someone that we do have to watch out for. We've seen that he can play at the top level on his day, so if Friday's his day, then we've got our hands full. However, what I will say is, let's just look at the team that we've got. But you, We couldn't learn or take a lot from that Iran result because it was it seemed so easy. But what I will say is we turned up as we should do. As a team of that ranking and the expectation that was there of us, we showed up and we delivered it. If we can show up again and deliver the same way, um, you know, adopt, just just basically follow the, the manager's tactics as we did, execute it perfectly. They shouldn't be able to live with us, really. No matter what they bring, no matter what they know, no matter how good a game that they have, we should be able to handle them. Yeah, I mean, obviously I, I can't see Gareth Southgate making any changes. Um, the only one I personally think could be an issue is Mount... Possibly Foden coming in to create, you know, to continue with it being attacking, or possibly uh, Phillips if he wants to, you know, sort of hold on to it a bit more and maybe give Calvin Phillips some minutes, thinking that sort of later on in the tournament, because Phillips hasn't played a lot of football this season at all, you know, due to obviously that injury and also trying to get into that Man City side. He could use the like I say, he could use the opportunity to give him some, but. I mean, is Jamie? Is, is if it was your team, would you make any changes? I mean, like say Pickford or the defence. Anyone you think could you would change if you were the manager? Um, I, purely on this occasion, I wouldn't make a change apart from Mount for Foden, uh, and purely because I think Foden's just that little bit more creative. 
Um, and I think if USA decide to get stubborn, because they're going to be better defensively than Iran were, um, and if they decide to be a little bit stubborn and not try and take the game to us, then someone like Foden can, can be the difference. He can produce a little bit of something that maybe like Mason Mount can't. Um, and I think that'd be my only change. And like I'm obviously a big advocate for Trent Alexander-Arnold, but I wouldn't play him in this game because I think Pulisic is going to... If if Trent plays, he's going to run at him and run at him and run at him. And I just don't think he'll enjoy it. Did Pulisic play in the FA Cup final last year? Uh, yeah, when Trent Alexander-Arnold had his best game. <laughs> I was going to say, because I remember you saying the other day that Trent had his best game defensively in that... Would he have been marking yeah. him there that day? I'm, I'm going to have to double-check the team, but um, I'm pretty sure that he played. Um, just give me a second, and I'll, I'll be able to find that out. But it's just for me, I think, going into into a game of, of this magnitude in a World Cup where if you're England, you win this game and you're through, and it makes the last game a little bit easier. Um I just think that you don't take any chances and you, you give it Kieran Trippier and you let him do what he did in the last game because he was he was very good in the last game. Um, in the FA Cup final, though, uh, Pulisic did play on the left-hand side. Yeah, so that that is promising then if uh, Trent yeah. does get the nod and does get on the pitch. Yeah. And obviously he's got some positive, positive experiences to sort of reinforcement of his defensive ability. Yeah, against against Pulisic, that's good. He's arguably their talisman as well. They they look to him for everything. That was the same in the Wales game. Everything good went through Pulisic. Mm. For now, until Gio Reyna gets out of nappies, (laughs) and then I'm sure he will be taking over that mantle in time. (laughs) I think he's uh, he's got a lot of potential. That lad, I think. Yeah, he's he's been playing a few games for Dortmund as well. so hopefully, like watching players come through is one of my favourite things to do anyway. Uh, just from any league, when you get these young players, like I play a lot of football manager as well. So yeah, I, I enjoy watching people develop. So and he's definitely got a big future. Yeah, I mean, talking of players developing, he's somebody we mentioned earlier on quite a lot. And Jude Bellingham, uh, to me, the midfield, the key to the midfield is letting Bellingham dictate. And so it's you know, lining up to make sure he's sort of the one now. That's how England, yeah. for me, that's what England have got to do is get him on the ball as much as possible and get him involved in, like I say, dictating the play. I mean, how how do you see that being done? You know, what was the best way to go about that? Keep him alongside Declan Rice because Rice will do all he's running for him. Like, the, he'll do the dirty work and Bellingham can do it. There's no doubt that Bellingham's got an all-round game to him. Um, but I think if you keep him alongside someone like Declan Rice, he, who's going to do the majority of the day, work, you give Bellingham the freedom um, to, to break forward, make his runs into the box, as you saw from, from his header against Iran to open scoring. It was a run from deep, got into the box, a la Frank Lampard, gets there late, scores the goal. It's, it was a yeah, great that's what you be, yeah, It's what you want to be seeing from Bellingham, and it's the players around him that'll enable him to carry on doing that for England. And in Declan Rice, he's got someone who's probably going to be there for a while. Yeah, I mean, Lee, uh, Jamie mentioned Rice there. To me, he's he's a player without any ego, Declan Rice. 
he'll just get on with the job that's given to him regardless. So he's not searching for any headlines. He just does all the dirty work and is happy to, you know, provide provide the platform for the others to grab their headlines. Absolutely. He's um, he's one of those players. He is happy to just operate in the background but do a very consistent job. Uh, we, we've talked about Stoke. We always go back to Stoke. He does remind me of the Glenn Whelan role at Stoke where um, some games you know, these players don't appear to do a lot. But I think you'll, you find that the, the team sort of operates around them. They trust them. Um, they're always a safe person to give the ball to. They're always available. And his understanding with Bellingham is brilliant. I think with Bellingham himself, the, the one thing I will say with a player like him, and you do see it when you play with him yourself, is they just command the ball. So they're just in, they're in the right place. You trust them with the ball. And that and Rice and Bellingham have both got that about them, where you really do trust them with the ball. And and to have two midfielders of that quality, one who's a little bit defensive minded, one who's got that little bit of spark about them. Lovely combination, both pretty young too. It's a great time to be an England fan, just to have them two pulling the strings. Yeah, I mean, I suppose it's been a great time to be an England fan. I mean, who's going to be playing with Harry Kane? Because it's a great, <laughs> some of the options we've got there. I mean, for me, Sterling and Saka surely you know, deserve to keep their places for now. But the fact of the impact that those substitutes made against Iran, via Rashford, Foden, Grealish, Wilson... All came on and did well. All came on and staked, you know, staked a claim for a place there, didn't they? And to me, anyone who drops their game, sack or steal and have a bad game, there's, they'll be hooked and there's no guarantee that, you know, that all might be all it takes to drop out of the side is one bad game because there's that many players snapping at the reels trying to take them jerseys off them. It can only be a good thing, really, can't it? I think it's excellent for competition in the squad. Um I, I do actually think that, that Southgate will swap the odd one here and there anyway. If they're not quite looking fresh, it won't necessarily be as a as a reaction to the previous game's performance. It might just be the exertions. Someone like Sterling covers a lot of ground. If we do win against the USA, you could almost be certain that the one or two of them are going to get the rest that they'll need to go into the, the highly competitive knockout stages. So um, I, I do think that all of the attacking players that we've got He's almost like he's got this familiarity with them where he, he feels he can set them out for any opposition and he knows who's going to cause this kind of problem and, uh, and that kind of problem. And players like uh, Foden, um, who you, you could indeed start instead of Mount and, and he may well have a better game than him. But even if he doesn't, what an option he is to bring on. And then players like Foden and Rashford, um, Impact players too, like and Grealish is another one. You just know that something's going to happen with Grealish on the pitch. We are going to we we're going to get the ball to him. He's going to try and beat his man, that kind of thing. Rashford always trying to go past the man. I, I do think that the, the set of attacking options that we've got is up there with anybody in this competition, including Brazil. Yeah, I was thinking about this earlier, right? I was thinking about yeah with with France, and you saw their striking options. You got you know. Mbappe, Giroud, Dembele. Um, so I was trying to think who the other option was who they had on tonight. Griezmann. Griezmann. And I thought, I was trying to think, you know, would, you, would we swap our strikers, our forwards for theirs? And I don't think I would. I think maybe when everybody's fit for France, theirs may slightly edge it. And so it was, you know, there's, a, there's an argument for that. 
But I think when you look at the strength and depth of England's and the ease with which they can all sort of drip, come in and out of the side, and you know, while still offering different uh, points of attack and different ways of of hurting the opposition, they really do. You know, there's there's so many young, good, young attacking players there in that side in this squad, and yeah, I wouldn't swap them for anybody's. I don't think. I think the only one I'd make an argument for is Mbappe, because I mean, the, he's still as much as he's come across as maybe a bit of a wrong and. Uh, since he signed this new contract with PSG, the the guys is effortless. Like uh, someone in a, a group chat I mean earlier on said, it's depressing how fast he is. He gets yeah. to stuff that he shouldn't get to, um, yeah. and I think that sets him apart from a lot of other of other strikers. And if you were to take someone out of the French team and put them into the English team, that would probably be the only one I'd go for. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. If we were if we were picking individuals, then Mbappe, yeah, definitely gets in this squad. But as a, as a group, like if we had to pick one group or the other, I'd, I'd stick with England's attackers every time over over anybody's. Yeah, I think Francis has made a difference when Benzema's there, because um, the the guy's ridiculous and he's getting better with age. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know he's the first Ballon d'Or winner or current Ballon d'Or holder, if you like? to miss the World Cup since 1982. No way. Mm. That is a shame as well, because I think with him, France would go, would probably win it. Yeah, and it's a shame that otherwise, in contrast to what we said earlier on about Beth Mead, he hasn't got another World Cup in him, has he? No, no. He was lucky that they, they took him back into the fold when he did, going into yeah. the Euros. Because, um, I mean, everyone... If if you don't know what what happened there, then go and look up Karen Benzema's yeah. controversy, um, and you'll see why he didn't play for France for so long. But yeah, you can't leave a guy out with his quality. No, no, not at all. Um, I mean, on on the on the subject of USA and their sort of qualities, I mean, their main threats we've touched on Pulisic, touched on Rainer. I mean, Josh Sargent. I mean, I think he's been quite prolific for Norwich this season, hasn't he? I mean. Yeah. He, he sort of knows where the back of the net is and, like I say, is in good form. Probably not, didn't cut it in the Premier League last year, so maybe has a point to prove. Bit similar to Pulisic, where he's had a bit of bad press at times. Yeah. Um, I just think with Josh Sargent, like I said, I only saw him sparingly last season for Norwich. Um, and I know he's having a good season this season. Um, but, yeah, I just don't think he's the... When you're looking at strikers in a World Cup or anything like that, he's not someone that you think, yeah, he, he's going to be able to to pull us through this game against England. You are always looking to your Pulisic's, your Giovanni Reiners. And I think if you keep them too quiet, if Reiner starts, um, I think we've, we've got a good chance of not conceding a goal, um, let alone winning the game. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking at goal threats, I don't think where. It's going to be one. Now, I know he scored against Wales. Yeah. But do you know he scored 10 league goals in six years at club level? In, he played in, for Celtic for a little bit as well. Yeah, he's only there for PSG once, he, but he's made 80, mm. 84 appearances in his career, six years, over six years, and scored 10 goals in that time. I'm assuming most of them were for Celtic as well, because the Scottish yeah. League is not or PSG. <laughs> yeah. you'd, hope you, you'd hope you could put the ball in the net for PSG, wouldn't you? 
Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a strange one. Like I said, he's at Lille now. Um, but, yeah, he's not... Um, no, he scored three, six for Lille, three for Celtic, one for PSG. Yeah, I think his most prolific season's three, isn't it? Yeah, in 29 games. Yeah, so he's not... I think that goal itself was probably... I mean, he is only 22, to be fair to him. So, you know, he, there is room for progress there. And obviously, you know, he's probably not peak chat. Um, no. But, yeah, for me, I think he's, he's not somebody we should be too worried about just because he scored against Wales. No. But, I mean, having said that, I mean, Lee, they, they set up the other night with a 4-1-2-3 formation. So it's like five attackers they had on the pitch. I think if they're trying that against England, that's going to leave all sorts of gaps when we're going forward, isn't it? It is, and we can look forward to that. However, what I will say is if I, if I think there's a weakness in England's sort of team, and, it, and I am sort of clutching at straws a little bit because they did play very well, but they clearly do enjoy playing football, proper football. They, they were trying to pass it out quite a few times really stylishly sometimes building attacks um, from winning the ball back in defence looking calm and composed and you might say getting away with it the USA are going to look at that and they're going to think we'll get chances there we've got men up top and you saw what the Saudis did to Argentina and we'll just push them high and we'll just see if we can you know sniff a chance out rattle the confidence a little bit see how they like going 1-0 down so we do have to be a little bit cautious but if, if they don't know that already, if Gareth Southgate doesn't know that already, we can give up now because they, they really should be prepared for the USA to fancy the chances of having to go at them. They're not going to show up to make up the numbers. No chance at all. They'll want to prove a point. And I think we discussed it on the last podcast. England's like a cup final to a lot of teams. It definitely is to these on Friday. No doubt about it. So I, uh, I got to my little black book of contacts from doing this every step along the way podcast and I've, I've got Matt Puglisi here now he is an American Stoke fan so I've got in touch with Matt and asked him his thoughts ahead of the game and uh, this is what he's got to say US fans are in a bit of a panic after the draw with Wales and uh, Considering that it was definitely a game we should have won. Uh, it was pretty evident that we outplayed them for most of the match outside of one mistake from one of our center backs. And it's a really disappointing result considering how important the game is uh, to get out of the group. You know, winning against England now becomes something that you almost have to do uh, if you really want to secure your spot out of the group going into the game against Iran. Uh, the biggest question marks right now for us, uh, in my opinion, is why we didn't see Gio Reyna come into the game. He said afterwards that he was 100% fit, he's 100% healthy and ready to go, but he did back Greg Bearhalter and say he doesn't have to tell me why I didn't play, it's up to him if I play, uh, but I am ready to go, I'm 100%. And it's really frustrating for fans because in my opinion geo is the best player we have on the team he's the most talented player on in the u.s men's camp uh and he's only 20 years old so he's only going to get better from here so the experience of him getting this playing time at a world cup is vitally important to his development and vitally important to the success of the u.s men's national team just as a whole 
The other big thing that for me I would like to see is how we get guys like Christian Pulisic, like Brendan Aronson, Tyler Adams, uh, Gio Reyna, all of those guys on the field at the same time, uh, mainly because they're the guys that see the talent level that will go up against in England on a week-to-week basis. You know, Brendan Aronson and Tyler Adams are both playing at Leeds. They're seeing a lot of these guys from the from the Premier League who play on the England national team week in and week out. They have experience playing against them. They know the speed of their game. Guys like Tim Ream have a ton of experience there. Even guys like Josh Sargent, who didn't look great in the game against Wales and was largely absent for most of it. You know, he has that experience at a Premier League level and playing in the championship and and knows that speed of the game that's going to be super, super important. I worry about guys like um, Walker Zimmerman, guys like uh, even Serginho Dest to an extent, you know, not being able to keep up with that pace uh, and us being exposed in that way. Um, and, you know, going into the game, though, you have some bright spots. Matt Turner looked really, really well. Uh, looked like he played really, really well uh, in goal. Uh, looked very sure of himself. Looked very solid. He even guessed the right way on the Gareth Bale penalty, but there was just so much pace behind it that no one was going to stop that. Uh, and then, you know, the back line outside of that mistake from Walker Zimmerman looked really, really strong. Uh, there weren't a ton of obvious chances that Wales had, but, you know, England is going to be much, much better. And the performance has to be equal to that of, of what they're going to face. If there's any shot at, you know, taking something from this, from this match, I think the thing that worries me most after this match, and we'll have to see how this plays out, is we could be looking at a goal differential situation of who takes that second place in the group, you know, depending on how the Wales-Iran game goes and how uh, the Wales-England game goes. It could be something that comes down to goal differential, and you never want to see that. You never want to lose out on the knockout stage based on goal differential. So, uh, you know, hopeful that we can, you know, pull out a win, you absolutely have to draw that game uh, against England, and you absolutely have to win against Iran at this point uh, if you have any hope of getting out of the group. But a lot of question marks going into it, uh, and uh, hopefully you know, we can turn in a good performance. I know that I'll be watching anxiously on, on Friday. The other big question mark that a lot of us U.S. fans have right now is where will goals come from when we need them? You know, obviously we got that goal from Tim Weah, uh, which was a beautiful goal. Great ball in from Christian uh, to, to play him in. But other than, other than that moment and the Josh Sargent header that went off of the post, we weren't creating a lot of chances in and around the box. You know, that final third is really where things start to drop off. And uh, we just don't know where the goals are going to come from. We don't have a true number nine. We don't have uh, that, that elite goal scorer who can, when you need a goal, when you absolutely need this pick-me-up, you know, you can count on this guy to, to put it in. You know, we don't have a Harry Kane who is going to score basically whenever they want. We don't have that guy. It's very dependent on the system of play that we're in. And personally, I'm not super confident in Greg Barrahalter's system of play. It relies a lot on, you know, possession and passing the ball. Uh, he wants to play a very, you know, for lack of a better term, beautiful style of football where everyone's passing and, and moving and all of this. And it just at times doesn't suit the personnel that we have on the field. Um, you know, if Josh Sargent is the guy you're counting on to create 
a moment of magic to give you a goal when you need it, you're probably not going to get it. He's just not that guy. Uh, So not having that true number nine, not having that absolute, you know, competent 100% going to score a goal type of guy, you have to wonder where goals are going to come from. You know, we have a lot of great names in our, in our team, Christian Pulisic, Weston McKinney, guys like that, but they aren't goal scorers. They're not pure goal scorers. And that's just something that the U S uh, is, is missing desperately. Um, you know, Weston can score off of set pieces, but our set piece delivery hasn't been great. Um, you know, we have, <laughs> we have guys like Brendan Aronson who can create these moments of havoc as he's charging through a midfield, but it's not, he's not really known as the guy that puts that ball in the back of the net. He's the guy known for getting the ball to the guy who puts it into the back of the net. But when you don't have the guy who puts the ball in the back of the net up top waiting, those moments kind of come, come to nothing. And it's, it can be very, very frustrating to watch. So um, especially if it's going to come down to goal differential, you know, in that last game against Iran, if that's the case, you worry about, well, how are we going to score four or five goals when we need them uh, to get out of the group if we don't have guys that can do that? We just don't have that personnel. So, um, you know, those are the big, big question marks for us going into the game. Are we going to see the best 11 players that we have? Uh, and where are the goals going to come from, you know, when we need them? Uh, is the back line going to be up to the challenge of basically a Premier League all-star team, if you want to put it in United States sports terms? Um, you know, are they going to be up to that task? Can Matt Turner, a fairly unproven at that level guy, uh, you know, come up big with those moments of magic that he's known for so far of, you know, making a save when he's not supposed to, because those moments are going to come. So it's really a matter of uh, seeing how that's going to play out. But uh, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be an exciting game. Uh, It's a very good rivalry. I I think that people uh, overlook a lot in international football. Uh, And it's an interesting thing because a lot of people here in the United States will have that day off, uh, being it's the day after Thanksgiving. Uh, here and a lot of people will be able to watch a lot of casual sports fans will be able to tune in for that game uh, kind of uninterrupted and unencumbered by anything else so uh, it'll be really interesting with most of the United States watching and most of the world watching what this young team can do a lot of people say that this is our golden generation uh, and it's really time for them to live up to that title and and take something out of this match even if it's a hard-fought draw it's not over but a win would really, really go far into supplanting your place into the knockout round uh, and showing the world that you know we are a footballing nation, that this is a country that can produce top-level talent and top-level teams. So um, definitely we'll be watching, definitely excited. And uh, thank you guys so much for having me on. Uh, go Stoke and go USA. Cheers for that, Matt. Um, yeah, I mean, if you look through the USA side, you see a lot of championship players. You see a lot of Premier League reserve players. Or if they are playing Premier League teams, it's mainly down the bottom end of the league. And you, I mean, to me, if, if you're not going to go into this game and looking to win it, then you aren't going to be going to win this tournament, are you? Absolutely. We should be going out full of confidence and belief. Um, the performance was great. We, we should be able to outplay them and um, outthink them. 
out-tactic them. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the full works. Um, we can expect that from this team, from what we've seen. Um, just as a fan, I'm always cautious of, of overconfidence. Um, you, you see it costs teams from time to time. I just hope that, that that doesn't creep into it at all, which I'm sure it won't. But, but what I will say is we, we've seen championship teams, not Premier League teams, out of cups. It, it, we've seen Saudi Arabia beat Argentina. It, it's not outrageous to say that the, this bunch of lads could get some kind of result against us if we don't show up like we did in the first game. I've got every faith that we will, though. Every faith that we will. I mean, what what are your predictions then? I mean, I, I'm going to say there's no changes to the team for me. I think we're going to stick the same 11 out and I'm going for a 2-0 win. Kane, Kane will score and then I think late on we'll, we'll make those changes 60, 65, 70 minutes, same as we did against Iran. And the fresh legs will just, that'll be what gets us a second goal and I think it'll be Phil Foden. For me, it's uh, 3-1 England. I do think we'll concede in this match. We managed to concede two against Iran, but we'll find a way to concede one against these. Uh, but I do think we're better than them. I'm quite confident that we'll, we'll flex our muscles in this game, show what a side we are, and, and cruise through to the knockout stages with a, with a game to think about it. Same team? Yeah. yeah I, um, I think they'll make one change. I think Foden in for Mount. That's, that's what I do personally. Um, just for the creativity, as I said before, the, these could prove to be a little bit stubborn, uh, but I actually think it will run out quite comfortable winners, and it'll be... I, I reckon we could score three or four. Nice and positive. That's what I like to hear. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think that pretty much wraps it all up, doesn't it? That pretty much wraps up uh, the, the preview of the game. One last thing we are going to do, as always, we're going to have a quiz. Uh, so I mentioned last time that obviously we've got Pundit here. So we've been we've got the game Pundit. Uh, we've opened it up, we're looking through, and you've decided of all the uh, the categories you want to be quizzed on Eng the England national team. Is that correct? That's your chosen subject for today? Yep. So I have a, yeah. I have many many cards here, all with questions on regarding the England national team. So if anyone who uh, like sounds you know want, wants to buy this game, they do. There is a code which is available. If you go on our Twitter or on our Facebook page, you will find a code for some money off. So let's fire away with some questions. Let's give you ten questions and see how many you can get. Give them a shuffle. Give them a shuffle. Here we go. Who was England's first ever cap player? <laughs> England fans will never forget his breakthrough onto the international stage, which included his unforgettable solo goal against Argentina in the 1998 mm -hmm. World Cup. Sadly, he peaked too early and injuries hampered his career, although he does have a Ballon d'Or sitting in his trophy cabinet. It's wild. It's absolutely wild that he won a Ballon d'Or, but yeah, he's <laughs> Michael, Michael Owen. It is indeed, Michael Owen. <laughs> what a goal. What a goal. Yeah. Oh. Every time a major tournament comes around, that, that goal gets shown so much. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. He's like, and Paul Scholes trying to come and nick it and take it off his toe right at the end. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Like, no, thank you, Paul. I've got this under control. No need for you here. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, you'll know this one, mate. An inaugural inductee into the English Football Hall of Fame in 20, 2002. This magician grew up supporting Port Vale, but made his name at Stoke City. Widely regarded as one of England's finest ever players, he left Stoke for Blackpool in 1947. It's got to be Stanley Matthews. It is indeed Stanley Matthews. I was going to say, please tell me you know that. It's <laughs> <laughs> so, so a trick question or something. <laughs> I think quite a few. I mean, I've shuffled these cards here. We've got Mark Lowe playing for Stoke. The Stanley Matthews, obviously Stoke. This one, a career that promised so much but ended up blighted by both injury and one of the worst debuts in recent history after a landmark move to Real Madrid, scoring an own goal <laughs> and getting sent off, having a knock-on effect on his England appearances. Jonathan Woodgate. Yes, somebody else who played for State, that is. <laughs> <laughs> right, next, who have we got here? Ah, this one didn't play for State, that's good. So, Leeds fans adore him, but he couldn't replicate his managerial success at Ellen Road on the international stage, famously walking out of the England job in the midst of the 1978 World Cup qualification campaign but to take the helm of the UAE side. Scandal followed him, being banned from English football for 10 years by the FA for bringing the game into disrepute, but he sued the FA and the decision was overturned. Oh, God. I just can't think of his name. I'm pretty sure I know this one. I swear, I'm sure he was in like a massive sort of rivalry with Brian Clough. Yes. Yes. Don, Don, is it Don Howe? Don, you're right, Don. Not Howe, no. Not Howe. Oh, what is his name? Don Revy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we got there in the end, Lee. <laughs> uh, one of the greatest keepers of all time, although Peter Shilton won more England Cups, this number one was ranked in the IFFHS's top three best goalkeepers of the 20th century, known for that impossible save preventing Pele in 1970. Gordon Banks. Another... Stoke one. <laughs> the son of I haven't I literally I haven't done these cards in order by the way. I literally just shuffled them all up. <laughs> okay, we've got, mate. <laughs> we've obviously got all these England internationals who you know linked with Stoke. That's what it is. It's because Tony Pulis <laughs> went on signing anyone who was <laughs> playing for England. <laughs> next, next one, Matthew Upson. Uh, the son of one of Britain's British football's most famous names, this forward appeared 14 times for the Three Lions, but never found the score sheet. Most known for his time at Nottingham Forest, he went on to spend 15 years at Burton, 10 as player manager and then a second stint as manager after leaving for a brief period. Nigel Clough. It is indeed Nigel Clough. You don't realize he played for England, especially not 14 no, times. No, neither did I, actually. <laughs> I knew he played for Liverpool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
this frontman scored an audacious backheel against Sweden in Euro 2012 in England's first ever competitive victory over them. Bursting onto the scene at Man United, injuries have blighted his career ever since, though he still poses a threat to defences when he is fit. Scored against Sweden in Euro 2012. An audacious backheel by all accounts. I know, yeah. Man United. And he played for Man United. He did. I'm trying to think of United having. He did, but this guy, let me just read the word. Bursting onto the scene at Man United. Um, so, uh, so he might not necessarily have been there when it happened. Mm. Right, so... And Zaha plays for the Ivory Coast, mate, so... What does he? I thought he played yeah. well. No. <laughs> he did qualify. He played in friendly. Yeah, he played in friendlies for England, but he never played in a competitive game, so... And then he got the um, <laughs> Yeah, he got, he got annoyed and went to the Ivory Coast. Um Oh my god, this is going to annoy me. Burst onto the scene at Man United. Not many people do that. Oh my god. It is, isn't it? Don't have to push you. He said, Lee said Danny Welbeck. Oh, did you say Danny Welbeck? Yes. Sorry, I didn't hear that. That's why I was like, oh my god, it is. (laughs) Yes, Danny Welbeck. Commonly yeah. known as Welly. <laughs> this unit was the youngest defender to play for the Three Lions since Rio Ferdinand. He's perhaps now best known for being Roy Keane's best mate. Yeah, Micka Richards. Yeah, Richards. <laughs> yeah. I, I always remember him saying when he when he was in the studio, he was like, when I burst onto the scene, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Roy Keane was like, you burst onto the scene. <laughs> Didn't he didn't he say to him the only, the only time you think you burst on is to a buffet or something like that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love Micka Richards. Both of them together is gold, but Micka Richards is such a legend. Um fiery, hard as nails, and he could play a bit as well. England's first black captain, he went on to become the first black manager of an English club in two thousand and eight. Paul Ingrid's. Yeah. A goal-scoring legend in the Championship, he made his England debut in 2007 and scored. Became Preston's first player to represent the <laughs> national side since Sir Tom Finney, but only won one cap. Yeah, and his goal was dubious as well. David yeah. <laughs> That's the one. Oh, yeah, that, that was a naughty goal, that one. <laughs> Just... You see, Callum Wilson, Callum Wilson, that, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was like, I'm going to steal this goal. I can't remember who shot it was. He nicked it off on the line. But I've got a feeling. I've got a feeling it was Ashley Cole. It was like somebody who doesn't really score for England either. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, David Nugent. (laughs) It's like, no, you're not having a rare goal, Coley. It's mine. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. A key part of England's 1966 World Cup winning team, this Man United icon registered two goals in the semi-final against Portugal. Bobby Charlton? Yeah. 
I don't know how many of these we've done, but it's, 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 I'm enjoying myself, so I'm just going to keep going more <laughs> else. <laughs> Uh, a true gentleman and a legend at Watford for a total car crash for England. Ben Taylor. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was thinking of players I was rather, <laughs> rather than managers. Despite a fine England career, he'll always be remembered for the time Ronaldinho logged him. David Seaman. Yeah. That's unfortunate for him. England's number one for years in the middle of the noughties. This keeper was excluded from Fabio Capello's World Cup squad in 2010, a decision which was met with widespread criticism. Though he had made high-profile mistakes in the seasons leading up to this, he retired from international duty in 2010 as he didn't see himself as a backup keeper. David James? No. Not Joe Hart, is it? No. No. Nigel Martin? No. Too old. Nigel Martin, I think it was a bit before. Paul Robinson. Robinson. Yeah, Paul Robinson. Yeah. See, if you get this one, the younger generation would know him as a commentator on FIFA. But this gangly striker could play a bit as well. Fond memories of him at Leicester and Arsenal. He earned 13 caps for England between 1988 and 1992 and scored a crucial goal against Turkey to help England qualify for the European Championships in 92. I know who it is. Do you know, Lee? Um, no, I don't think... I can think of one striker, but... I'm, I'm thinking of Alan Smith, but... I yeah, don't know if no, that's, that's, yeah. that's it. Alan Smith. That's who it is, yeah. yeah. Oh, no. So, I think we'll leave it there. Um, yeah. But, yeah, that's a little taster of what the questions of Pundit have to offer. I think that's quite... I, I've quite enjoyed that. I don't know about you two. Yeah, I mean, I, I enjoy a little bit of a uh, little bit of quizzing when it comes to football and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's, a, it's an ideal little game to, to get hold of if anyone's interested. Go and check that Twitter out. Get yourself a discount. Yeah, wonderful little Christmas present, or or get. I mean, I think mine came like the very next day, so yeah, it's brilliant as well. You know, if, if you want to order, if you've got some lad, the lads coming round, or or you know, a group of mates coming round, should I say for the you know, for a World Cup game or something, and you want yeah. pass a bit of time between matches, it's only like forty five minutes it takes to play the game. Uh, yeah, get, get on it, people. Don't miss out. Uh, yeah, I think we've we've waffled on long enough now. Let's yeah. <laughs> let's uh, retire. I think retire to our our beds and let people, like I say, get ready for the uh, the USA game. And we shall reconvene afterwards, where hopefully we can uh, have a look at uh, getting ourselves who we're going to face in the round of sixteen as qualification will be secured. <laughs> Yeah, they'll, for me, he'll change all the 11 if we win this game on Friday. Um, I can't see it going any other way. It'll be interesting if Wales win theirs as well. If Wales beat Iran, then it could be that last game. A nice draw suits both of us. They go through and we and we top the group. No, I, I'd rather us go for it and knock them out. Yeah, because I can't see... Uh... Imagine, imagine the Welsh being torn, the opportunity to beat England, but they've got to just go for the draw because 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, because that makes the most sense. But no, I honestly, after the way they celebrated in 2016 when Iceland beat us, I wouldn't blame us for sticking five past them and watching them go out. And then celebrating in front of the Wales fans. Yeah, exactly. Harry Kane just there waving the England flag in front of them. But let's beat USA first. Yeah, let's get past the USA first. <laughs> <laughs> Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the Pro Pilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five year warranty. And with a bench full of all star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.